You're listening to the Stag Sports Network Podcast, only on FairfieldStags.com. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to the return of the Stag Sports Wrap Season 2, Episode 1. If those that are listening here in the Stag Sports Network may not have remembered what this project is, well, we're going to fill you in on that and much more. But this show pretty much is kind of your standard recap interview, just a little bit of everything, almost like a magazine type show. Um, We did this over the uh, pandemic, the condensed season, the spring 2021 season, and felt that it was the right time to bring this show back into the mainstream. And well, myself, JJ Duke, couldn't do this alone. Back in the um, the early stages, we have Drew Kingsley, a man that is not only an SID here at Fairfield Athletics, but also one that kind of had the idea of this. So Drew, first off, it's nice to actually be doing this with you again. And in the same room, not at my kitchen table. And I think in my basement, yes, because if you didn't get that pun, we were doing this over Zoom because, well, chaos. But um, yeah, why did we come up with this concept? Well, it started, as you mentioned, that spring of 21, where in addition to the spring seasons, we had all of our traditional fall seasons going on. And it really just became a way to keep everybody caught up on what was going on when there was so much going on and so much changing on the fly, schedule changes or just uncommon schedules. Volleyball was playing double headers, mm. for example, which you don't see all that often outside of this time of year. But yeah, and I think we both figured out along the way, we really like doing this. So we're very happy to bring it back now for what we'll call a normal year. There is no such thing, but we'll call it a normal year here in the fall of 22 and going forward. Yeah, it's it was one of those I was re- remembering. I think we had something like 14 sports in that condensed 2021 spring going on at the same time. It was almost a perfect way, not only for you all at home, to be like, oh, right, if I miss something, this is where I need to go because you know a game on a Monday and you might have had three more games in one sport, four in another sport, baseball playing, weekend doubleheader four game series so just uh, it was a nice little refresher and also for us to kind of remind ourselves what we did we as in Fairfield during that week and just you know to almost debrief recollect and then go again Um, this time around it's going to be a little bit of a different type of a show that that time we did it a basically every weekend well Drew and I basically did it every Sunday night for the better part of 10 weeks or so fortunate enough as well when we did this show we had a pretty good semester I think it was what four or five championships and obviously that baseball run in the regionals so maybe mojo strikes twice a lot of Sundays watching two stags wins on the diamond and then bragging about it to ourselves on zoom yeah pretty much and also being like oh so where are we going to be ranked nationally this week (laughs) um but yeah so maybe we bring that uh forward again i think the second part drew as well why we're bringing it back now is and you're also as i mentioned someone that oversees a lot of what content comes out for fairfield athletics and we've had uh, conversations about trying to build and have continuity with the podcast side for the Stag Sports Network. So this kind of almost fits in nicely with some of the other projects that we're going to have going on. Yeah, you know, people, I have the data, people love these podcasts. and not. I don't think it's because of me, though I'll gladly take some of the reflected glory. But it's, it's a great way when you're on your commute or you got your lunch break, something like that, to get caught up. And it's just, it's a, we can deliver it, we can throw these on YouTube, and we will. 
so you can watch it on your phone as well. Or not watch, it'll just be a graphic, but you can listen to it on your phone as well. And, um, yeah, it's just a great way to keep that podcast network going. You know, we've got some of our podcasts that you all know about, the men's basketball podcast. I hear there might be. Word a- is we've got some other podcasts in the uh, in the works. Uh, hint, hint, wink, wink, nod, nod, uh, women's basketball. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I think it's just a good thing thing to continue to find ways as you said to reach our audience but also not just have something show up on this every five or six weeks have that kind of pause now we did in the past some preview shows or championship season type shows i think actually last year that was a really nice way to kind of work our way back into this by doing championship shows getting a chat with student athletes which uh for this show that's going to be a heavy part of what we do we were going to connect with uh, student-athletes from all of our teams. And I say all of our teams, but we did mention that basketball podcast coming through. When basketball season happens, we'll touch on it, but we're going to give space to those shows. So you might see us even take a break during the winter um, just to let those shows kind of take command, and then we'll rejoin things right before the spring. But it's good to have build, good to have consistency. And at the end of the day, for those wondering why Drew and I are doing this, well, you know, we basically have a running text chat of just everything that goes on athletics wise. So I think you rightly said it. This is just the um, branching out to another way of having our text chat go and just happens to be a podcast. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's sort of the key. We like doing this. This yeah. is our job, but we like doing this. We love doing this. And I think a lot of people like to talk about sports this mm-hmm. way. And there's probably a lot of people that wish they could talk Fairfield sports with yeah. more people this way. But Fairfield Sports isn't the NFL. No. So there's no you can't flip on Sports Center and get your 30-minute talking head show about Fairfield Sports. So this this is your 30-minute talking head show. I'll be playing it. Stephen A. Smith and JJ will be playing Skip Bayless. <sighs> Maybe we'll rethink that part. Yeah, let's <laughs> Hey, if you're going for all the big contract extension, this is the way to do it, Stephen <laughs> A. Smith style. Um, yeah, but let's <clears throat> let's get right into it. I mean, we are recording right now the last partial week of August. Our next episode will likely going to be about two weeks' time, which, by the way, we should also mention we're not doing um, weekly. We're going to do bi-weekly, so we might not get to every game. But we're going to try and hit some of the highlights. But because we do have four teams that have gotten off to the, the start of their season, we're going to talk about it. And it begins with women's soccer. And always this is the sport that gets things going first. That's just how the schedule lines up. And kind of a, a thrilling roller coaster of emotions to get their season off to a start. A 2-1 win over UMass, a team that's a very solid program out of the Atlantic 10. This was back on August the 21st. They got to the championship game in their conference tournament last year. And um, it was a roller coaster for first half. We were we as in Fairfield were under the cosh pretty much throughout the entire opening half. Injury to um, Jenna Pike and goal. And then literally with three seconds left, the injury came with 40 seconds left in the half. And then right from a corner kick, they score straight from a corner kick as the buzzer sounds so you're thinking oh boy here we go again could be a long game but the resiliency and character showed by that team maddie mills on her debut um as a grad student coming over from dartmouth scores to level things and then sam kersey en route to getting rookie of the week honors in the max scores the winner eight minutes from time so the stacks get off to a 2-1 start then a, a gritty 1-0 win away from home at Holy Cross on Thursday the 25th. L. Scott doing what she does. Gets shots on target and finds the back of the net. Um, and stand-in goalie uh, freshman Katie Wright 
coming off to a really solid start in her Oh, it seemed to be maybe was an understudy. Now is grabbed the gloves for the time being. Nine save, clean sheet. And then uh, the night before we recorded, so this would have been Sunday the 28th, uh, a hard 2-0 loss to Princeton. Arguably, though, Drew, this is where I bring you in. The Tigers probably the best team that we're going to be facing, kind of strength of schedule-wise, in non-league play. Sean Driscoll, obviously a former coach here at Fairfield, so he had that connection going on. But... I think the girls showed well um, and showed why coming in with a bit of confidence, they proved that not only they belonged with a team that's been as deep as the quarterfinals in the NCAA tournament the last couple of years, um, a team that could put them under the back foot. Yeah, Princeton was a, uh, they were an at-large to the NCAA tournament last year, picked up a win, and then I believe lost in overtime in their second round. So that's a that's a team that could have made a pretty deep run in the tournament and for Fairfield to come and show out the way they did it was 2-0, but it was 1-0 when a shot hit the crossbar, bounced down, and mm. just could have bounced in, could have bounced out, and unfortunately for us, it bounced out, and then that was sort of the story. But yeah, very competitive loss and two really strong wins, you know, especially that UMass win with, with no overtime now. If yep. you don't know that yet, there is no more overtime in college soccer. When you go down 1-0 late, the chances of getting two you start thinking, all right, maybe we'll tie this. Yeah, get a result, and you just accept it and move on. But Fairfield instead got that game-tying goal and then turns around gets the game-winning goal and then to go up to Holy Cross, and it was 1-0, a nice-looking goal, some nice-looking defense. Katie Wright played very well in goal. Yeah, I mean, a solid start to the season. And, and earlier today, I had a chance to chat with Fairfield, one of their captains, actually, for women's soccer, Olivia Holman, to talk about the early part of the season and kind of the expectations of where this group can go. So here's my chat with Olivia earlier today. Olivia, so right now we're looking at a 2-1 and one start to the season. I'm, I'm loving the vibe of the group as well. We mentioned a little bit beforehand about we saw a lot of character from the first couple of matches, and even so much last night as well. We'll talk about that in a bit, but how has the group been thus far on the season? Yeah, so that's actually been something we have been talking a lot about. This season so far has, I feel like, had a great start. Definitely and the chemistry in the locker room has been fantastic. I feel like all of us have a great relationship with one another. It's crazy to think that I'm a senior now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it <laughs> really it went by fast. Really went by fast. But our senior class, definitely, I think the chemistry was a huge aspect of something that we wanted everyone to feel good in the locker room, just have a good relationship with one another. So all the players, we definitely have really enjoyed being together this preseason. Um, the coaching staff has also been great. I feel like Dave has been awesome checking in with all the players. We just brought on Corey, who's also been great as well. Um, and Stuart and Marcus are yep. always awesome too. So definitely has been a great start with our chemistry and our relationship. And also being named one of the tri-captains as well. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank a, you. a leadership role, right? So a weird one because Unfortunately, you had injuries last mm-hmm. year. You weren't able to play much of the season, but you were able to watch a lot of the things that were happening from the side. And now coming back into the fold this year, does it almost have that season of watching kind of give you an idea of like, oh, now I know what L. Scott does, like little motions out wide or like how she communicates her. And I'm not picking an L. Scott, just using mm-hmm. an example. But like, were those some of the things that you might have saw last year that kind of helps now with your communication kind of? making sure everything is simpatico on the field. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Um, Seeing from the sideline definitely gives you like a different view. Um, 
I mean, it's also different from even just watching film. I mean, watching the game live is, it's great to kind of see how everything goes, but I think it has definitely helped. I mean, just personally for me as a defender, being able to watch our defensive line when I was out and then now going into it, I kind of, we do have kind of thoughts in our head um, about what we have, what I've seen at least on the sideline and then even just as a group, what we see off the field too. Um, So it definitely, as bitter as it was being on the sideline, I feel like I did definitely learn a lot, not even just as a player, but even as a person. I mean, I really took on, I feel like a whole different role. Okay. Um, I think last year, uh, starting the season, I did have a leadership role on the field. So I kind of had to figure out how to transform that off the field. Um, And what what were some of the things that you kind of helped yourself and just being a person as opposed to just work, worrying as a soccer player captain. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like just, and I kind of mentioned it before, our energy off the field, um, but then also just like our energy on the sideline. Sure. I feel like that is such an important aspect of when you're playing a game, hearing everyone from the sideline. And we really do have everyone who's coming in and out of the game, who's on the side, people who are hurt. We do have such a great energy and I feel like I kind of gained a new appreciation yeah. for that um, even now like and you said we'll get to this like our game yeah. last night hearing um, everyone playing but even everyone cheering to like the last yeah. whistle was definitely something I feel like I gained a new appreciation for um, and even just trying to help kind of give tips to mm-hmm. younger players who were going in on the defensive line I'm probably not too much help with people on the forward line, <laughs> but, but people who like were subbing in on the defensive line, um, I kind of got a chance to talk through things. So that was nice. Okay, you talk about going up front. Are we going to see you perhaps bosh <laughs> a header from a set piece or something I'm like that? I'm really hoping. I would uh, love to finish my Fairfield career with at least <laughs> one goal. It's like, all right, look at doing all the prep. He's do obviously a lot of prep for each uh, broadcast. It's like, all right, Livia Holman is probably you know, most appearances on the team, consistent starter. No goal. Need to fill in everything else. Yeah. We're going to set that a challenge for the rest yes, of the season. That's definitely something I'm shooting for. <laughs> Love that. Uh, but you, the character, though, um, in that UMass game, mm-hmm. I know it was a difficult first half because basically, you know, they played a match before you guys, yeah. so they obviously had a little bit more of that, you know, game fitness type of thing. And obviously, mm-hmm. the first half was where they basically threw the gauntlet at you guys, and yeah. you bent until you bend pretty well, but didn't break until right to the end. But it looked like once the group stepped on the field, you're going, and that's obviously carried forward. Even last night, Drew and I were talking about the Princeton game. I mean, that's going to be the hardest team, candidly, that you guys will play this year. Got to the quarterfinals, the NCAA tournament a few seasons ago. John Driscoll's done an amazing job, spoken with him a number of times, and he has really dived deep to not only lead Princeton, but to lead the Ivy to really become one of the best mid-majors in women's soccer. But it never looked like Fairfield was out of that game at all, and at times were playing, frankly, better than Princeton. Was that something that you were feeling just because of the collective group spirit and all that? No, 100%. I think that the UMass game... The set, the first half, we were definitely on our heels a little bit. Um, they were really coming at us, but we really turned around the second half, and I do think that that came down to everyone really just winning their individual battles. Like, our effort, I feel like we definitely worked so hard in that second half, and that was the game changer, and that really did carry on over to the Princeton game. I mean, we really had... We didn't have anything to lose in the Princeton mm. game, and even when we kind of stepped out onto the field, we're like, all right, 
let's just do this. Yeah, like, absolutely. Have some fun. Um, and I think last night that was definitely a game where, I mean, I was very proud of our team. Yeah. I feel like we never, no one ever stopped on the field. Everyone kept going. Everyone was going into their 50-50 challenges. Um, so that was something I think was really exciting to see, especially in our third game against a the best team. team yeah, yeah, the best team we will play. Um, so really just carrying that on through the rest of the season. So w- what is the, the ceiling for this group this year? I know it's obviously tough to tell what, you know, now we're talking late August first, what could be the first week in November, but where do you see this team going? All the way. <laughs> I love that. All the way. Definitely all the way. Um, I feel like we do have a great group of girls. I mean, our senior class, I have nothing but positive things to say mm. about them. And even then our freshman class coming in, like I feel like they have great, we have great talent throughout all four classes that I think as we keep going and carrying on just this work effort um, can take us, I think, to the championship. And maybe even beyond. To win the championship. <laughs> win the championship. Hey, win a game of the tournament. Yeah, been, we as Fairfield have been so close in a number of spots, yeah. so why not? Hey, best of luck this season. Looking Thank forward you. to seeing you all out there. Thank you. Well, big thanks to Olivia for stopping by. And, yeah, like I said, Fairfield Women's Soccer back in action the first of three games at home. You can check them out on September the 1st. That's a Thursday night under the lights at Lessingfield against Brine. And to get your tickets for all Fairfield soccer, head on over to fairfieldstags.com. Speaking of soccer, Drew, this is kind of the, the odd one. Didn't think that we were going to be having a bit of a, a positive chat about this side, but that's why this sport is beautiful. Because when you're talking about Carl Reese's Fairfield men's soccer team, you knew it was going to be coming up in the conversation. Most of you all saw it one way or another. It was an 8-2 drubbing to open the season away to UMBC. <laughs> I've been in those locker rooms before in my short playing career. Those are not pretty conversations or just a good atmosphere to be around. I think the real positive from that one was you're coming around and playing game less than 48 hours after. This would have been this past Friday, to then go play Navy down in Annapolis on Sunday afternoon, another maybe you could say better team than UMBC, you you couldn't hide away from it. You almost have to everyone look each other in the eye and say, that was unacceptable, but we have a chance to turn the corner, and boy, did they. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was ended up being some serendipity that they had to stay down in Maryland stay in the hotel just with each other and just think about this loss, talk or think about what they can do to get better, I should say. Talk about it, move on, put it behind them. And as I uh, came in today, I saw associate head coach Javier DeSima in his office, which, first of all, shout out to him because they got back at 2.30 in the morning and he was in his office this morning ready to get back to work. But And I told him, that's, that's a way to bounce back. You know, there's no such thing as a must-win in August, but that Navy victory was much needed, not just a victory, but also just to perform well for 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, you could look at that UMBC match and say a number of things, right? Down 3 nothing inside of a half hour, get it to 3-2. I mean, this game was actually close for, um, you know, in the 59th minute, but then to concede five straight on the bounce, and, you know, kind of that's where we again said that 
the atmosphere, probably the the air was taken out of the balloon after going down six two. You say, okay, let's just get out of here, and then you know we'll regroup, go again, and give up the last two inside the final eight minutes of that game, and that's where kind of really hit the nail in. But yeah, you turn around, play Navy on what was a pretty warm afternoon. By the way, maybe one of the most beautiful sites to play soccer on in Division One soccer. Ooh, that, that 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 is this a is great Navy, view, by the way. A great view on ESPN Plus. It's a Glen Warner soccer facility right on the water. I mean, if you knock one out of play behind the benches, you have to get a big pole with a net on it to go get the ball. It might not even come back. But um, Razamir finishing off a great counterattack, and then uh, James Anderson, you know, showing that he we saw a little bit from him last year in goal. A good shot stopper, a good just reactionary goalkeeper, and you talked about uh, Coach Decima, who's always been someone that just builds and nurtures great goalies at this program since he's been here on this campus. And uh, he told me last year to expect some good things out of him. Might take a year to get really comfortable with the college game. We saw that against Navy, and now one and one. And all of a sudden, yeah, life is fine. We regroup, go again, and back home on Friday night against Albany. And a, a great shout for James Anderson. You know, uh, more than any other sport, goals in soccer are probably a team thing. A lot of times if the ball gets to the goalie, they're already beat no matter what they do. So I'm not pinning this all on James, mm. but to go from being in net for that eight-goal effort to then come back and post the clean sheet, just a great job to keep his head, stay focused, put it behind him keep moving really really proud of those guys for the way they were able to turn that around and put it behind them and now you're one and one how you got there doesn't matter just go play good soccer and always we know carl race is going to put together a very challenging schedule so it does not get any easier with albany coming here um this coming friday night and then colgate who i know are on a little bit of a down right now but a couple years ago they're running the patriot league so it's not going to be an easy game as well um moving along here and drew this is where i kind of turn things over to you a little bit because this is the sport that you're that you cover primarily being volleyball um todd cress's team went out to michigan state a program that we saw here not all that long ago um played in that tournament went one and two a win against Eastern Michigan, losses in three sets to Louisiana and the hosts Michigan State. A lot to pick away from. Yeah, you know, it's, you, again, it's August. You don't want to make too much out of one weekend. But yeah, that was a that was a super competitive tournament. You know, Michigan. Every match that didn't involve Fairfield went five sets. So that's yep. the easiest way to phrase it. You know, and Michigan State came away with a couple of five setters. They were down two zero to Louisiana. They were down. 2-1, I think, to Michigan or to Eastern Michigan, a team, the team that Fairfield ended up beating. So yeah, that was a super competitive tournament, and it came down to some little details can turn those into 3-0 losses when you're playing tough teams. And we all know Todd Kress is not going to shy away from tough teams. <laughs> Just look at the rest of the schedule; he's not shying away from anybody. And sometimes when you have just a slight misstep or anything like that, but playing a tough team, it can turn into a 3-0 loss but that eastern michigan win was a really good win i think we saw some very good things out of some newcomers sarah daniels in the middle especially she's a grad transfer from st louis blakely montgomery her first weekend as the number one setter on the depth chart filling in for manuela nicolini for the first time 
in uh, about a decade, she is not the starting setter for these stags. I was about to say, um, how weird was that for you to write recaps and recaps and not have Manuel Nicolini penned in as someone that doled out 45 assists? Kind of awkward, isn't it? <laughs> it was a little different for me, and but and also, you know, KJ Johnson statistically didn't have the 20 kill match, but she's KJ. She's going to be fine. You know, these this is a very good Fairfield team. They're they they're challenging themselves, and I I can tell you that they're in the gym today, getting better. That there's no doubt in my mind of that. Looking forward to seeing them this coming weekend. They get to play three in three days, no doubleheader, which I know mm. Coach Cress isn't a huge fan of. So to be able to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday is way more his speed, way more the team's speed. It's just it makes for a better product. You can run out your starting lineup all three matches if you like, and not have to worry about some pitch counts on some players or things like that. So really looking forward to that. Yeah, it should be a whole lot of fun, and um, not too long from now where we see volleyball back in the gym. By the way, I also wanted to mention um, I love always when Fairfield gets to play in big arenas, not just gyms. Because I think by doing that a couple of times last year in the build-up to playing in the NCAA tournament, where we would go out to Pauley Pavilion, UCLA, and we felt comfortable playing in front of a big crowd, close to 3,000 of the Breslin Center against Michigan State. And I think, you know, at times there were some difficulties, but sometimes performed well. That only comes to help us down the road, which I think is a huge thing. Um, when involved. But anyways, yeah, Fairfield, they're going to be going, as Drew said, to the Villanova tournament this coming weekend. And then five matches at home um, starting September the 7th against St. John's and then the Fairfield Invitational with home games to Fairleigh Dickinson. Washington State returns from a couple of years ago. They're back high point back from last year, which was a big win for the Stags as well. And then Howard to wrap it up on Sunday the 11th. Lastly, of our core four teams that got things going this past weekend, field hockey on the road, kind of a difficult one for them because Drew and I were talking about this before. Similar to men's soccer, this is a very changed team from the last time that you saw them. Men's soccer has 13 new players to 13 returners. Field hockey had to return basically nine regular starters or first players off the bench. It's a lot of new faces, so you knew... Combining that with Jackie Kane always puts a consistently challenging schedule, non-conference, especially early non-conference play. Knew there was going to be some learning curves, a pair of 3-1 losses away to Monmouth, which for those you know thinking, oh, Monmouth, we were beating them in the MAC when it was MAC field hockey. Yes, Monmouth now have taken a large step up in their profile. They're playing the CAA last year, the America East. It's a bit of a different Monmouth team. Um, competed well enough there. And then Villanova, I believe, jumped out to an early lead in that game. Yeah, Juliana Kretz scored inside of three minutes, and but did ultimately fall 3-1. But there are positives, I think, to take away from it. And I first, it, it should be said, Peyton, Ron, and Goal, we knew that she was going to be someone that not only sustained the level that Zoe Rosen had, there's another name, that it's going to feel not ta- <laughs> feel weird not talking about this year since she's been the goalie seemingly forever uh, for Fairfield. But Peyton Ron, we knew was going to come in and put in a shift this year as the number one, and I mean a seventy save percentage, consistently fending off corners. Solid game for her. Juliana Kratz has mentioned already three points in the early season, so there are positives, things to build on. But we'll, we'll see where we go. Yeah, it's the same thing. I feel like a broken record, but it's really just how Fairfield teams tend to schedule. You schedule tough. You don't take a year off just because a Malin Iglesias or a Lucy Perseal is gone. You keep going, and that's what 
Fairfield field hockey is going to do. They're going to keep going. They're going to keep playing. They're going to get some of these tough games, mm-hmm. too. I don't want to sound like they're just biding their time. They're going to get some of these yeah. games, and then they're going to go into NEC play ready to go. That they are. And for those I want a little bit of a preview, well, actually a lot of a preview, because Fairfield will have double home weekends for the next two weekends. So on our next show, we'll have plenty to discuss about uh, Jackie Kane's group, they get their home season going on Friday, September the 2nd, a 4 p.m. start against Holy Cross. A nice little Fairfield Friday doubleheader because men's soccer right after at 7 p.m. So literally park your car behind Lessing. This is what I'll be doing. Walk over to University Field. I'll be calling. You'll be watching that game. And then just walk back over to Lessing for the nightcap. It's a great day. That's that. That's a lovely way to kick off Labor Day weekend. And it is. Um, so that's going to kind of wrap up our early season action, though we should mention as well our combo fall-spring uh, sports will be getting going soon with golf and tennis. And cross-country will open up their season on the 10th of September. That's the Siena Invitational under uh, first-year head coach Jake Duckworth. And I think actually this should be a nice um, entry point to maybe get him on in the next couple of weeks to have a chat. Yeah, Coach Duckworth is settled in. Uh, the team has been all over Instagram. There, <laughs> as somebody who uh, oversees some of the uh, social media content, that's something I love to see. But yeah. yeah, the team is back working together, having fun, getting to know Coach Duckworth. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to have him on soon. He can talk about that first meet and what's to come for Fairfield Cross Country. Definitely. So we'll try and get him on soon. So that does it for kind of what the current status looks like and drew we've come off of a long summer a good summer or as if you go back one on this podcast channel you hear the thoughts of vice president of athletics paul schlickman talk about how busy of a summer it was so i thought let's kind of revisit some of what our alums are doing because we do at fairfield university have a lot of athletes who are still getting on and grinding away at the professional game and this was actually a pretty busy summer so um we dive into it we've got five active players baseball players baseball alums that are getting on going four an affiliated ball one indie ball we'll get to the latter part in a second but austin pope recently making news getting promoted up to uh the arizona diamondbacks double a affiliate arguably also the, one of the best nicknames in all of minor league baseball, the Amarillo Sod Poodles in the Texas <laughs> League. Um, yeah, he's a reliever there after getting promoted from High Hillsboro. And also, I love this, by the way, Pope has been promoted at least once in each of his three pro seasons. I mean, we knew how good he was when he was here, but he's just keeping it rolling at, yeah. the, the, at the pro level. That's great to see. You know, we talk about it a lot that oh, once guys get drafted out of the MAC, it's almost sort of uh... – you know, pick a pick a card, any card, to see how far they're going to go out of there. Who who was drafted because they've reached their peak and they're playing really well? Who was drafted because they're playing really well and they have potential mm. to go even further? And Austin Pope, as you said, getting called up. And uh, happy to see him on the Amarillo Sod Poodles just because I'm going to take any chance I can get to say Amarillo, Amarillo Sod, Sod Poodles. Poodles. Purchase a hat, by the way, a couple years ago. Probably, I mean, by the way, minor league baseball hats starting to get a little pricey. I mean, you know, thank you, New Era, for that. But was it a well-worth purchase now? Yes. <laughs> um, someone else that just recently got promoted, and this is we're talking the last couple of weeks, Trey McLaughlin um, moving up to high A Brooklyn in the Mets organization after starting off the season with uh, low A St. Lucie. I believe we just call it full season A. I know what the restructuring of minor leagues 
going to take a little while. To, I always used to just be high A Florida State League and low A um, with the Hudson Valley Renegades. <laughs> nope, that's gone. Um, but yeah, Trey got promoted after spending the majority of the season with St. Lucie and you, kind of the back end bully and closer. Really good numbers in 22 appearances down in Florida, 46 strikeouts, eight walks. You, you take that. He just converted his first save with Brooklyn. He's probably poised to finish out the season there. And I know it was he and the combo of he and Justin Guerrero that both signed or drafted with the Mets at the same time. Justin, uh, also who got promoted earlier this season, now back with St. Lucie. Uh, but Trey's really come into his own after a couple of injury-plagued seasons. Yeah, Trey, was uh, he had some injury-plagued seasons here, you know, but he was a bulldog, you know, mm. that, that 2021 season that we love to bring up as much as we can. He came in in the... Mac tournament after pitching sparingly yep. after opening day and just threw an absolute gem to send, I believe, Canisius yep. home. And that's exactly what he said in his interview. I was ready to go. I was ready to send someone home. Yep. And that's that. That's the bulldog Trey McLaughlin that the Mets are seeing now. So, yeah, he might be you know from a starter to a reliever. I mean, you got to have that almost angry mentality to be one of those guys that's got to sit around for two hours and then all of a sudden get revved up, ready to go. Speaking of another guy that's going to be Maybe someone we see in the bullpen, um, Michael Sansone, which congratulations to him. He signed a pro contract in the offseason after the amateur draft uh, late July. He's with Tampa, and I could speak from experience and formerly working with the Rays organization is if you want to be a young pitcher that wants to develop, that is the organization to go to because the Rays have a great record of doing that um and he didn't pitch a whole lot in the florida complex league or it's now rookie ball um but he did get three appearances scoreless innings across the board the rays actually because that league is such a condensed schedule so they just wrapped up their season and played in the championship of that league they did lose to the yankees affiliate in that same league but michael's going to be you know, going to be going into instructs, um, and we'll see where he ends up in next season. But uh, well done for him in getting to the next level. And we should also mention as well, kind of a, a sour spot for Fairfield baseball um, being in Rockland over in Pomona, New York. But what is well, kind of a, a bad state where Fairfield's other season end to a good state is mentioned the indie ball player, Tucker Nathan, still doing his thing, still 10-plus years professional baseball. He's playing with the Boulders in the MLB Partner League, the Frontier League, so independent level. They're in a playoff push. He's hitting 260, 11 homers, 40-some-odd ribs. Uh, half game back of a playoff spot with six to play, won their last six. So by the time we next come on the air, we'll know if he made the playoffs or not. But you just love to see that he's still grinding, still going. Yeah, Tucker Nathan's, as you said, a decade-plus in pro ball. He's been... He was in the Orioles organization. Yep. I believe he got as far as he may have had a stint in AAA even, was a A player for a long time. I think his baseball reference uh, picture still has him with the Norfolk. So, yeah, he had the um, the Tide. So he had, like, the uni- the Sea Unicorn logo on his hat. It, don't get into a uh, minor league baseball Love trivia it. contest with J.J. Duke, by the way. Love you will it. get beat. But, yeah, Tucker Nathan's a decade-plus playing pro ball just – as you said, just grinding. Play now he's playing in the Frontier League, hitting two sixty. That's that's a wily veteran, Crash Davis style, just mm-hmm. gonna keep going for as long as he can keep going playing baseball. Love it. Uh moving to the indoor side. Now we don't talk about basketball all that much, but um Hinnan Monks, Drew, you said something like 
maybe upwards of 18 men's players will be playing professional ball somewhere in the world uh, once we hit the fall, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Tyler Nelson doing things in the summertime. He played in the <laughs> basketball tournament for the second straight year with the Nerd Team, one of the best names in that entire tournament. Basically a group of Yale players and friends. Um, they played in the Syracuse Regional of that tournament. For those that don't know, it's kind of a made-for-TV exhibition tournament, but features a lot of alumni teams and overseas kind of like all-star teams. And Tyler did his thing. I mean, they got to the third game, the regional final. They ended up losing to the tournament champions, which is the Buffalo alumni team. But he averaged 14 points a game, and he just lit it up on social media when his team beat Bayheim's Army, that's the Syracuse alum team, 23 points, game high in that. He banked in a three to secure the Elam ending. We're not going to go into what that involves. <laughs> if you're a fan of basketball, you know what it is. But he hit the game-winning shot, and then his reaction of walking off the court and just waving goodbye to the close to 2,000 Syracuse supporters that were in attendance that day. I mean, there can't be any better if you're looking for just a little spite and vigor. Yeah, beat a big-name school and just walk it off and rub it right in their face. Yeah, that's the Tyler Nelson who, when the player of the year was announced his senior year, just sent out a tweet of LOL and then helped lead Fairfield to the championship game. That's that Tyler Nelson. Congratulations to him on his pro career and his showing that weekend. When that last shot went up, it didn't look like a good shot. Unless you're a Fairfield fan, you were pretty sure that was going in. Angular. Angular <laughs> is how it got in. But, um, yeah, well, you mentioned there's going to be a lot of guys that we should expect playing the offs in the um overseas not off season we're just in the off season in overseas so yeah i think this would be a good spot to revisit in a couple of shows from now yeah there's on uh, eurobasket right now there's a list of about 15 um the two i can just tell you real quick jonathan kasababu matia millen just signed some new contracts and there's probably going to be close to 20 there's some guys who don't have contracts right now just because they're in the off season mm-hmm. there's some women's players as well samantha cooper i believe just signed a new contract so yeah, we will uh, we'll get caught up on all that and uh, let you know as we get closer to uh, basketball season. Another court sport, Sonia Radulovic, uh, still going strong, playing pro volleyball. Started her career in Serbia, played in the Czech Republic last year. Um, I know she's gotten some experience. It's great to see her, you know, doing her thing, playing overseas. Yeah, you know, it's the weird one, right? They do show that commercial where of all the student athletes, it's such a small percentage, but that play professional, but you don't take into account the amount of players that can go overseas and play. And it's not always the basketball players and the soccer players. It's professional sports and a lot of sports. So awesome to see her continuing living her dream. Yeah. Sonia doing some good things overseas. Um, went to uh, Serbia where, well, she is from Canada, but where her family is from heritage. Yep. She, she speaks the language over there. So that was a good way to start her career over in Europe. Then Czech Republic, um, last I knew, she was looking to keep it going. Again, in the off season, doesn't have a contract right now. Yep. But and then she's always got that double major and uh, cum laude graduate from Dolan School of Business to fall back on when she chooses. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. Uh, last sport, soccer, and we're gonna hit the big one in a minute. But first, <laughs> because I know a lot of people are wondering what's going on here. But uh, John Philippe, outstanding first full pro season Red Bull 2 in the USL Championship 24 appearances for them got an assist 14 start um, Nikki Stanton just hit her 100th career game played in the NWSL she's playing for OL Reign the artists formerly known as the Seattle Reign that's now <laughs> Olympic Lyonnais for those that are curious it's kind of their affiliate team 
not going to dive into that. But she also just won a tournament as well, um, the 2022 Women's Cup event, which is kind of a combo. NWSL teams, European teams playing preseason, get them all together, won that event. Okay, Matt Turner. (laughs) So people are wondering, oh, he made the big move. He did. He's with Arsenal leading the Premier League. You know, everyone was thinking, was this project going to work with Mikel Arteta playing the children? And it has worked. They're four from four running it, but it's Aaron Ramsdale. And we knew this. Rambo is going to be the one for that team. He's England's number two, maybe even pushing Jordan Pickford to be the number one if if Everton continue the just nosedive that they're in in the Premier League. For those that are picking up the words, yes, I'm a huge soccer fan, religiously (laughs) follow the Premier League. So you, you wonder, when is Matt Turner going to play for Arsenal? I mean, he played preseason, actually played the majority of the preseason matches. But that's usually what happens. The number two gets a lot of work there because they don't get as much work during the season. Well, this is not something that has any authority. There's no official confirmation, anything. I do not have a direct line to the coaching staff at Arsenal Football Club. However, the way that things work out is what Matt Turner will be is what we call the cup goalkeeper, someone that's going to play in the cup competitions and occasionally get a Premier League start when there's two matches in a week, something along those lines. The week that I had penciled in is Arsenal qualified for the Europa League, which is the second European club competition. Everyone knows the Champions League. Europa League still a major competition, but you have the Thursday-Sunday turnaround, which is the league match on Sunday, play Europa League on Thursday. So my gut feeling is that he'll likely get the start in Europa League matches, their first one being September 8th away to Zurich. So, again, and also, like I said, this doesn't come from anything more than a gut. Do not drop me a line. <laughs> At JJDuke21. On Twitter. This is just a presumption, but the likelihood is that he'll probably get a run out in there. And remember, World Cup is in November, y'all. So he's got to get some matches in there. I know Gareth Southgate is probably going to speak to Arsenal saying, hey, you know, Ramsdale can't play every match. Have to keep him somewhat fresh for the mid-winter World Cup. That's another story for another day. But yeah, Matt Turner needs probably somewhere between 8 and 10 matches if he's going to get the number one shirt for the U.S. Likelihood is he will be the number one goalie when we kick off on November 21st against Wales. Um I, I have a feeling that he's going to be playing that match. But for those that are wondering, soon. It's going to happen soon. All right. <laughs> that, that was more disclaimers than and most. I'm like, not holding my hands up. And by the way, for those that are curious, I support Man United. <laughs> Arsenal were the bane of my existence during the Invincibles era, which for those that are wondering, yes, Arsenal went an entire season without losing a game in the Premier League. So it was them and then United were just diving into a lot of things, you know, finally turning around, but um, that's, again, for another day. But uh, good episode. I think it was nice to get back into it, nice to do this face-to-face as opposed to over a Zoom call, but good stuff. We said we're going to get more student-athletes on just to, because it's a great perspective to hear how things are going on their end. Yeah, we, we love to have our student-athletes on, and you know what? They never – they're never bad, for lack of a better no, term. They They're – they're poised. They're you know they they speak so intelligently about their sport. You really sometimes you forget like how much work they put into these mm. things. When you talk to a pitcher and they'll or talk to a batter and they will tell you every pitch they saw over the weekend. Yep. You know you, that's something you think about at the pro level. You don't think about 
the guys in our dugout over there and Alumni Diamond doing that. And I, I just love to have them on and hear their perspective and really get a chance to let them let them tell the story. Absolutely. And hey, for those that are listening to this and would like to hear some things or you might have a favorite athlete that you want to hear from at some point throughout the year, let us know at Fairfield Stags on pretty much all of our entire uh, list of accounts. As Drew dropped my handle on there, I mean, that's <laughs> public information. So you guys are welcome to send some suggestions there as well. And at Stag Sports Net, of course, is where you'll find all of our stuff on the Stag Sports Network. So for Drew Kingsley, myself, JJ Duke, thanks for tuning in to the first episode of the Stag Sports Rap. We'll see you next time. Until then, go Stags. Thank you for listening to the Stag Sports Network podcast. For past and future podcasts, visit fairfieldstags.com.